Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in IndyCar. But now, you know, let's try that again because that's the wrong show. <laughs> Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars show. And hey, we're laughing because I'm already getting things wrong and we're just less than 10 seconds into the show. But, you know, that's kind of the norm. Anyways, hi, I'm Marshall Pruitt. That's Graham Goodwin on the other end. We talk about Hello. sports cars. It's supposed to be on a weekly basis. That's why I named the show The Week in Sports Cars. Sadly, we went away for about a month. Mostly my fault. Uh, certainly not Graham's fault. But hey, as, uh, as we often cite and also give lots of love to our man Juan Pablo Montoya, it is what it is. We're sponsored oh, yeah. by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Why am I speaking in such a hurried pace? I have no idea. Uh, this is the, a sprint show not an endurance show so graham goodwin how are you where are we going what are we doing yep it's a full service hand over to me and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the list brought to us as always by our friend uh, daniel summersgill of questions ho- uh, posted by you the listeners on a variety of social media um and we use that to shape the show and we put those into a variety of categories and i am the category selector by tradition and we're going to kick off uh this time uh marshall with imsa okay uh we've just come from uh, a racing weekend where there was a whole heck of a bunch of racing uh, including the imsa weathertech sports car championship and michelin pilot challenge and lots of other imsa goodies at weathertech raceway laguna seca um and that was a race and that race is now in the books and people have got some questions they'd like to ask us daniel who puts the questions together sneakily put his question first so why Did don't we he? start there uh, well, he says, do you think IMSA went too far with the hashtag BOPness for the uh, Cadillac at Laguna Seca? They were never in contention in what is traditionally an accurate track. The BOP exaggerated that further, effectively resulting in the Cadillac teams fighting over third. Also, what a terrible race for CGR. Um, they were, it, it's got to be said, seven tenths of nowhere. Uh, in that race, uh, I'm not sure whether in a packed IndyCar weekend you've had much chance to analyze, but yes, I, has... well, I saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I looked at the, the lap times and then I looked at um, qualifying and then um, I looked at the results too. Like I did all those things and I came to the same determination as Daniel and anyone else with eyes and the ability to compare and contrast. <laughs> so, yes, as possibly the world's biggest hater of balance of performance, I must say IMSA has done a remarkable job this early season at most places in DPI at Laguna Seca. It was not one of those cases. Um, it was bad, like bad, bad, not just bad, but double bad. Uh, and we commented with, I guess me doing the commenting Graham after long beach, of how it was somewhat comical that uh, one media outlet that's known for writing trash headlines, pure clickbait mindset, ran a story speaking with someone from a Cadillac team talking about how unfair the BOP was and, oh, we're going to get murdered. And then the Cadillacs kind of sort of did the murdering and the Acuras were not favored uh, to that vast degree like expected through BOP. And so, hey, then we get to Laguna Seca, and guess what? It's almost like that headline was about three weeks too early, Graham. Because, um, get to uh, Laguna Seca, and guess what? It's it like bright. there was uh, DPI and DPO. Because, uh, yeah, the uh, Acuras, hey, DPI? right? Uh, they did super good. And the Cadillacs, oh, they did super bad. And it really didn't look like they were competing in the same class. So, yeah, uh, balance of performance, me hate. So guess what? Laguna DPI 2022, let's just remember this as a shining example of how you can get it the opposite of right. Um, It was ridiculous and not in a happy or funny way so yeah this is the downside this is the we plot we use tools and technology and ai and bi and ci and everything possible uh to make things as equal as can be and then we come away from some races going doesn't always work out that way so 
That's why I have always hated BOP and will always hate BOP because you get these outlier events where you go, Hey, everything's working great. Okay. Nothing worked here. I know we're just talking about one class, but when it's that bad and that exaggerated, you understand why manufacturers raise holy hell, Graham. But that also, but that also goes along with the, but they also raise holy hell when they win the race. Oh my gosh. I mean, how, how could you make us endure such a thing on the way to victory lane? That was positively painful. So uh, what do I say? I, I mean, we, I could just go back and find an audio clip from four or five years ago on the show and, uh, just paste it in and it, I'd be saying the same thing. It's garbage. It's well, trash. I, Thanks when it works, but it doesn't always work. Rinse, wash, repeat. It, it moves on though. And the question as well from Daniel, and it's uh, it's kind of echoed by Jose Tapia, uh, who's talking about, uh, chip racing, the Cadillac effort there. They did have a horrible time. Jose says, you know, if the current zero one Cadillac is the same chassis that ran last year, solo in him, sir, because the current zero one is seemingly cursed. We know why that is. Uh, the, uh, that is because Chip Ganassi sold his soul um, quite some time ago. I think it was because he wanted to be a banjo player, but that could be uh, just folklore. Uh, but there is question one. Are you aware that the Zero One Cadillac is cursed? It is. Uh, but unfortunately, it's cursed by Chip Ganassi. So it's, it's really uh, a complex, very complex thing. The guy who owns the car is also the one who curses it. So I'm currently uh, trying to investigate here. Um, Yeah, so here's what I can tell you. There have been four IMSA races this year where DPIs have competed. In three of those four, the 01 has had varying degrees of electrical problems. And I think two of those times... No problems with the electronics were felt, seen, heard, or digested prior to the race. Getting immediately into the race, though, problems manifested. So, other than wiring up the headlights, um, maybe IMSA will grant some sort of allowance to let the O-Run, O-1 run without any other electronics, just an old mechanical carburetor and, uh, yeah. And, a, a stick shift and we're just getting rid of all electronics. So yeah, I don't kidding aside. It's almost to the point where if they haven't done it already, Graham, and this would come at great cost, they need to rip out every single thing. That is a little black box, a wire, a whatever, like truly, rip every piece of electronics out of the car, take it out back, pour some E85 ethanol on it, light it on fire, uh, say prayers, do some chants, could be a human or animal sacrifice. I'd probably mm-hmm. err towards human. Um, and then install all new, fresh everything. Not cheap, but when you have a 75% electronic issue rate through four races, uh, tells me that it's time to stop hunting for the little thing here, little thing there, uh, rip it all out and start from scratch with something brand new. I think that's probably right. And by if the they way, haven't the, already done that, they may have. Yeah, I don't know. They may have done it three times. I mean, I apologize, by the way, for the um, the clockwork joke there. That was just a bit of a wind-up. Uh, right. Alex Heitmiller and Angry... Oscar Love. Angry black man. And, and um, Matthew License. All variety of questions, MP. Angry Which Matthew sort of License, on, yes. Yes. Sort of comes on the back of uh, something you talked about last week's show, which was because what happened within, of course, hours of us talking about uh, the prospects for WeatherTech, the budget to do the upgrades was signed off. But it doesn't appear again, to have attracted anything of a crowd. Um, Alex Eichmann was asking, what do you think of the crowd size? Is the hope for that event? Uh, Angry Oscar Love says, does it matter how many show up at the track if TV is willing to pay the bill? Um, and 
Yeah, Matthew, again, asking what did the attendance look like? I should say, by the way, there was um, an excellent attendance of one race meeting this weekend. I know we've got a question about that a little bit later. It's the uh, Fanatec GT World Challenge Europe powered by AWS, uh, fueled by Valentina Rossi Championship. Uh, 27,000 people turned up to Pransach for that um that's race weekend, and I believe 26,923 of them were wearing at least one uh, piece of merchandise from the Doctor Rob himself. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> no? Yeah, very popular, Rob. Yeah, yeah, the Rob Bell fan club, yes. Uh, they had their annual general meeting, by the way, uh, last week, and um, they were all picked up in um, a small family SUV. There we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was able to flip back and forth uh, between uh, what was happening, wrapping up uh, at Barber, where I was at in Alabama, and then also uh, using Peacock, which is, again, a strange thing to be sitting overlooking the front straight at a motor race uh, and then also having the broadcast of the t- the motor race on a screen as well to see what's happening elsewhere. Uh, but nonetheless was also able to take a look into uh, the IMSA event as well through Peacock. Oh, boy. All right, so we got a couple questions here. Let's rattle through them. Alex uh, asking, what did I think of the crowd size? Stupendously depressing. Uh, There was no uh, major or even minor increase in crowd size that I could detect. If the track has numbers to say otherwise, then that's awesome, but at least using the same eye test as in I look at the crowd size and I try and remember what it was last year and I did not see anything that stood out as any better, uh, I would say it makes me very sad. Is there hope for the event? Yes. If WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, uh, A&D, Narigi want to uh, continue to pay to bring IMSA there, I, I... will admit I don't fully remember the length of the contract, right? So is it still a multi-year going or do they have to sign a new one? Again, I couldn't tell you. But um, if they want to continue to lose money, then there is hope for the event. Uh, Oscar, oh, hey, we need to get you some more uh, JB80 to take care oh, of that squeaky that? chair, Mr. Goodwin. Oh, squeaky chair back. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure it is. Just heard it. Oh, it is. You're right. You're right. It's that way. I'll stop doing that then. Well, well, I don't want to ask what that is, but uh, (laughs) yes, take your hands off that, please. Um, Oscar, you you asked, does it matter how many more show up to the track if TV TV is willing to pay the bill? TV has never been willing to pay the bill. So uh, it's the opposite. Uh, Manufacturers and major sponsors and partners of IMSA um, contribute heavily towards the TV bill. So it's the exact opposite. Uh, NBC does not pay IMSA to host its races. It's the exact opposite. So where this has to make sense financially does indeed come back to the track and whether enough people are coming through the gates, paying money for tickets, buying concessions, uh, and whatnot to turn this into something that is not a losing financial reality. The caveat there is there are a number of hospitality suite type things. There's a number of areas where the track can generate income from name the auto manufacturers, name the major sponsors, etc. I would hazard a guess, Graham, that of the money of the income generated, of the income that's coming in from last weekend, the majority mm-hmm. was from hospitality-related payments from run through all the uh, OEMs, run through the mm-hmm. major, major sponsors. That's the only way uh, they would maybe even break even. I don't know. Again, I, I can't tell you that, but I can just tell you in terms of who is spending money to be there, uh, the majority of that was through those looking to entertain guests, not from fans buying tickets to be there. And so it still comes back to that major question, though, Oscar. Uh, Sure, folks love going to Monterey because of all the 
scenery and nightlife and golf and all the extracurricular things can a motor racing series that it's trying to present itself as healthy and successful go to places where there are no fans and it looks drastically unloved and unhealthy and so this doesn't doesn't apply specifically to imsa i raise this question all the time about any car and it again nascar's asking itself that question graham more and more hey some of these tracks we go to are traditional and they've been around forever and blah 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 and boy it sure does look like they forgot to let people in um (laughs) yeah this is it's just an overarching issue here with this track home track love it again been going there since i was an infant but there's really only one or two events per year that that truly do bring folks uh inside the track and sell a lot of tickets and some of the major marquee events imsa and indycar specifically just have not how do they survive how do they how do they this how do that i don't know man but yeah uh, just to, to close here w- with Matthew, you asking, will it stay on the calendar? I mean, I hope just because it's my home track and I want to see it succeed. But if I'm the person having to make the argument to the Monterey County Board of Supervisors, I don't know how I, I don't know what argument I could come up with. Um, yeah, yeah, the cars are really cool. And we're an old and important track. And we want to be seen as attracting cool cars and and whatever, whatever. But at what price? Uh, If we can't get a crowd to show up for this, but we can for vintage racing. Mm -hmm. Do we sneak the IMSA race and the IndyCar race onto the uh, Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion Vintage Weekend somehow? And, you know, they tend to have pretty good audiences if not big audiences, when they've done some form, uh, Graham, of back in the day it was MotoGP or, you know, we've had Moto America, various, um, you know, highly regarded or at least somewhat well-known uh, two-wheel racing. That will bring a crowd, but phew, folks just aren't turning up for modern-day open-wheel or well, sporty cars. It does, does strike me. There is the potential for a solution here for him, sir, in that they have now obtained HSR. Yeah. Um, but there's what it is the one thing we know that was counted out by uh, John Doonan in that announcement was whilst we might see some of the IMSA subcategories on an HSR program, that it's unlikely we'll see HSR races added to the full IMSA events in the near future. But you're right. I mean, I, I struggled to to put my finger on. Other than the fact there are lots of other things that people now like to do with their spare time, and to be blunt, I think a lot more of us are a lot lazier than we used to be, uh, a lot more kind of prone to sit and watch a streaming product or a TV product than perhaps we used to be, even for a local um, event. I'm at a loss to understand why the fabulousness that is Laguna Seca can't attract a crowd. I'm with you um okay why don't we take well hey i think we i was gonna say we take one or two more we got one more so why don't we take yeah. it let's do it it's from you and wayne smoking puppy 841 with lmdh cars set to be short in supply and eye water and expensive in 2023 should insert grandfather dpi for 2023 hashtag me personally says you and It'd be a shame to see JDC Miller forced out of the championship because they haven't been able to secure a car when they own one which would fit into the performance window. This could also open the window for the likes of Dragon Speed to launch an attack on the top class in 2023. Mm, okay, you want to go for that one? Well, no. Um, and the reason being is if we're talking about potentially one car, one entrant being disenfranchised, I don't know if that's a reason to create a whole grandfathering thing. If IMSA were to have information from current entrants or potential entrants, those who are maybe in other classes who might want to step up and use a DPI um, in 2023, then I would say, okay, cool. I don't know what the number is going to end up being full-time for GTP, Graham. Is it 10 cars? Is it 12? Whatever the number ends up being. Um, if it's 
10 plus one DPI? Hell no. <laughs> uh, I can't see a reason to grandfather unless they wanted to say, look, you can bring it. You're just going to have to run it as a GTP. We're not making any concessions for you, but if you want to run it and finish last everywhere, sure. Mm-hmm. But what we aren't going to do is try and performance balance across four different, uh, very unique and different GTP cars. And then balance against a lower power, lower tech, old car to make these four new models, four new brands, quote, equal with one another, plus also dial the performance of the class down or up or wherever it might go in order to align with an old Cadillac DPI VR. Now, again, Mm -hmm. if we're talking about there's six dpi entries or eight and all of a sudden we're staring at the possibility of again 16 18 20 cars in the top class i think you can make an easier argument of that if it's just one team maybe or you know one entry or maybe two entries no chance uh, i would recommend that at all so yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think we're in a different world. Uh, I, I do agree, by the way, with one premise is that um, there's, there's, there's so many stories I really do need to get around to writing. But uh, one of them is cost escalation uh, to do with both running budgets uh, and indeed the cost of the cars. That, I think, is a looming crisis for the customer car marketplace. Um so much as I know there are stories out there at the moment that talk about numbers of cars being available left, right, centre, um, it's not the whole story. There's a lot more to be said and written uh, about that. Um, yeah, I'm very sorry if we've got this brand new, uh, this brand new era at an economically very inconvenient time. But the reality is here; these rules have been known for quite some time, and if you've not been able to get the budget in the time we've had since that was announced. My guess is it's unlikely to be the case if you take another year. Um, so uh, I, I am sorry if that means that some teams put the rump up on the transporter and off they go and they don't come back in a top class. But there are other alternatives in racing. I think we are going to see, by the way, MP, in the next couple of years, a number of teams departing prototype racing and moving to GT racing instead because with the massive cost of the new cars to operate um the economies of scale for teams that have been traditionally pro-am inevitably move towards gt into the gt3 platform so the the cost if you like of potentially losing numbers uh in a middle ranking prototype class might be a very significant boom in gt numbers and that I'll be absolutely blunt, is what I'm expecting to see. I am not expecting to see 20-car, hypercar, or GTP grids anytime immediately soon. Uh, I think we are going to see some improvements from the levels we've got at the top classes at the moment in both the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the WEC. But I think the customer marketplace is likely to be a very slow burn indeed. Uh, And for that we've got to thank two or three factors. One is the current economic position, uh, fueled, of course, by the Ukraine crisis. Two is the output from COVID has not been kind either. And three is just the general uncertainty about at least one of those programs, Audi we know is dead, it's gone. Um, But, you know, there's all sorts of uncertainties industrially about what's happening and moving forward and if you're going to be putting down the multi-millions of euros or or dollars for a car like this you're going to probably want to be reassured that there's going to be a proper support package for an extended period of time for that car okay that i think uh, completes our imsa questions which means we move seamlessly into the wc the weck aslam's elms aco uh category which covers the aco rules racing and this traditionally is where you put on the the mitts and start to hurl stuff towards me mate you are gonna have things hurled at you uh bryn smith how you doing bryn so guys i've read today that the vag group intend Mm. to enter f1 what are your Mm. thoughts how will this alter or not 
their sports car plans. We'll be listening to this on the journey to spa via Dusseldorf, by the way. Well, I hope you freaking Dusseldorf and love it when you hear this, Bryn. So, Graham, hook up our friend with words. Right. So, the answer here is, um, yes, we've seen the VW CEO basically go, isn't Formula One wonderful? That's where we're going to take two of the biggest brands in the VAG group. And by the way, all other motorsport on the planet is dire and rubbish. Well, there, that's the kind of the, the highlights from the, the conversation that he's had with the World Father Media. Um, okay, let's see how that one pans out then. Uh, if I could just p- press a pause button on the world, fast forward to 2028, 2029, I'll be interested to see how that one pans out with a vast expense that is going to be punted towards this. So should also, by the way, be a reminder to anybody uh, in a decade in the future when people moan and groan about not being able to find 5, 10, 20 million euros for a worthwhile technological step forward with motorsports, that this is what the CEO VW said, uh, committing himself to hundreds of millions of euros to Formula One for not one, but two of their brands. Um, I just, I'd like to see how that one pans out. How's it going to leave us? Well, we, we're not going to lose Audi because we already have. Uh, what's it mean for the Porsche LMDH program? Uh, absolutely no idea. It's a straight answer. I hope it's okay. Uh, I hope everything's okay. I hope we can be talking about the glories of this two, three, four years down the down the line. But one thing I would certainly say, if anybody at Porsche Motorsport is listening uh, to this uh, this podcast, is clearly they you? aren't. <laughs> we, we know they're listening to others. They aren't listening to this uh, one. <laughs> but what I would say is. I hope you've got a really good customer support package because I, I can see that any guarantees you think you might have had uh, about longevity of a uh, factory program, you might want to be putting a question mark against those just at the moment. Um, let's see how that one works out, shall we? We shall. Staying on the topic, our pal Stuart Hart at Jag Lemans with Porsche and Audi, Audi confirming F1. And the VW CEO stating other more sports activities will be reduced, says Formula E seems dead. How do you see this playing out uh, for any VAG hypercar programs? Will Porsche fund LMDH with a customer business model? Will mm-hmm. Lamborghini step up, etc., etc.? Well, Porsche, yes. Uh, there's no doubt that's traditionally the way that Porsche have gone. Factory racing is is funded in no small part, not just by the marketing of their partners. And that's the bit that could be in risk here because they're clearly partners they will wish to take with them to an F1 program, at least some of them. Um, Lamborghini, it is a watch this space. Uh, I will say this much, uh, both MP and I, are firmly aware of what is coming, uh, broadly speaking, where it's coming and what it is. So um, we've seen just today, in fact, the wraps taken off Lamborghini's next generation uh, GT3 model. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind they will want to see that car racing at the Le Mans 24 hours. And to do that, it looks increasingly likely as if they're going to have to have cars in the top class as well. I don't doubt that that will be the case. There we go. Uh, where do we go next? Where do we go next? We go to John Schultz. Graham, what is the actual status of the okay. Audi LMDH program? Dead. Dead. Other outlets. Now this, okay. Um, we try not to do too much in the way of corrections here, but uh, maybe this is an opportunity. Uh, John mentions other outlets have declared it dead while you guys have kept a very low profile on this. Don't don't laugh. Don't laugh at John. That's not nice. John, I think I or Graham or we were the first to say this. And if we weren't the first, we were pretty darn close and maybe the second, but we've been saying this for a really long time. And, uh, even to the point of some mutual friends within Audi sport, say, being very grumpy with us for being as forthright as we've been before I know either everybody else was or maybe all but one German outlet was. So just for a little clarification, 
we haven't been quiet. Uh, nope. We've been loud, and we haven't been waiting around for any formal thing from the factory once we got enough sources telling us uh, this was the case. I mean, as as for what the, because uh, Johnny asked, uh, also asks about um, the factors behind it, I am told that one critical factor in terms of the timing of the decision was the current economic situation and cash flow. In other words, don't spend cash. You're not. But I think that that sort of covers the fact it was clearly on the chopping board, or the chopping block, or both. Um, you know, uh, for to be an at-risk program should the F1 plans come together. But the timing of it, I'm told, was linked more directly to the current global economic situation. There we go. Uh, let's see. Eve on. Is, are we correct here? I don't I know. That sounds right. Uh, there we go. Hi, Graham. Hi, Marshall. Question regarding the WEC. How do you see the future of WRT uh, with Audi pulling out from their LMDH plans? BMWs considering getting in the WC? Maybe is that the solution for WRT? Um, I know there's a couple of questions about this. Uh, the The answer is this. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, WRT are now part of a very small cabal of current LMP2 teams that are still actively looking for a sustainable uh, LMDH hypercar program for the FI WEC. With that in mind, you can look at customer this, customer that. Uh, there are only two LMDH programs that you would guess would have the opportunity for either customer or um, semi-factory program, which I'm guessing is what they'd be looking for. And those two are Acura, because there is no Acura slash HPD slash Honda uh, allocated at the moment to the FIWC and BMW. If I were a betting man, I'd be pushing towards the German mark. And the only reason that that is in any doubt whatsoever is because of the very solid uh, relationship that WRT has with Audi, who, of course, are a competitor brand, if not an LMDH, then certainly in GT3. Could that herald a wholesale switch for someone like WRT? So that's a really interesting question, isn't it? Um, I've no doubt that uh, Vincent Voss and the team at the weekend will be subjected to the usual subtle level of questioning we employ in these occasions. And I've zero doubt either that he won't be telling us a damn thing. But if I was a betting man, you, I can't see WRT wanting to play second fiddle to Penske with a customer Porsche. Uh, this is a team that was selected to go factory racing. They're going to want to do something to show that they can stand out. And my my guess would be they'll be looking to see what they can do to nail down BMW. Uh, that, by the way, informed by the fact that I've been told by a number of sources in the WEC paddock that the prospects of a Honda-badged uh, Acura or HPD-badged effort in the WEC are somewhat dormant right now. Where are we going next? Uh, since you've covered off a lot of WRT, mm. uh, Damien Peachman, Graham, Hello, Damien. when yes. are we likely to get a first look at the Ferrari LMH? Uh, soon. I know that's, that's, that's terribly glib, but soon. This is the kind of thing, you're Ferrari and you are publicity hungry and you know you'll get an audience for anything you take a cover off, you could be glib and say, well, why don't they do it at Le Mans? I am sure the ACO would love them to reveal it at Le Mans. Um, we're just a few weeks away from that. I think we're going to see more than one car for the first time before Le Mans, possibly two cars uh, before Le Mans. But I suspect that there will be a fair amount of <sighs> persuasion being employed for the Le Mans week to have multiple big good news stories. Uh, now, we've traditionally had these things kind of promised and then snatched away at the last minute, but I, my view would be that would be the ideal time for us to see something undisguised, whether or not it be concept drawings, whether or not it be uh, an initial car after or before it goes testing. But I 
um, coming from the position of zero knowledge. Yes, but the, my but, favorite yes, line. But the, um, the, the, the PR man in me says, sort of, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Um, the only other thing that does kind of occur to me here is <laughs> this would be an interesting moment. If you were Ferrari MP, wouldn't you want to take the wraps off it at a Formula One race? I do. I would. I agree. Whether or not they'd be allowed to do that is a different matter. Yes. But bear in mind, this is Ferrari we're talking about. Um, I think that, again, could be quite an interesting one. It is a fundamental step forward for their factory program in sports car racing. And it would be a good test of the state of the motorsport nation to see just exactly how Ferrari decide they're going to reveal that. One thing I will say, by the way, zero chance of customer cars, certainly in the first year, um, for the Ferrari LMH. Zero chance of that. Uh, so any guesses you've got, they say, um, insert name of extremely rich person, will definitely be uh, racing a LMH. Valentino Rossi will be racing an LMH Ferrari and blah, blah, blah. No, he won't. No, he won't. It's as simple as that. If that's going to happen, it's some years down the line. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else would you like to grab here? There aren't, you know, it wouldn't be a show. Uh, without a question from our right turn lover. Um, looking forward to the Monza outings for WEC, Aslam's, Elms, Aco, all the European Lamar, Asian Lamar, Wecky Lamar stuff. Is the ELMS or WC the better deal for fans? Uh, including also looking at which support series run then and which support series will the WC have there? Uh, uh, hashtag planning for a trip, but don't know which one. All right, okay, travel guide. Okay, if you want to see sports car racing and have that guaranteed, ELMS, because we've got the European Le Mans series, we've got the Michelin Le Mans Cup, and we've got the Leisure European Series of Decent Grid this year. Um, if you're looking for state-of-the-art stuff. The Peugeot, I think, will be at Monza. Little doubt. There was, always was little doubt. That's what they're targeting. That's now what they're signaling uh, is they're targeting a Monza debut. So if you want to be one of the first to see the Peugeot race, then do that. Or do both. Just take a week off. Go and get a cheap Airbnb after we've got our cheap Airbnb, by the way. Don't take the cheap Airbnb that we're looking at. Um, and just go for a festival of, you know, sports car wonderfulness. Um, remember the ELMS race weekends are short, you know, Saturday, Sunday will do you. Uh, it's five days. It's five days out of your whole year, five days. And you could go back out go home on the Sunday evening, even leave before the end of the race. If you like, you'll still listen to the show. So, you know, for me, if you can, go do both. I'm not quite sure how many times we're going to get the opportunity to do that again, so do it now. What else do we want to answer? What else do we want uh, to Jose, Jose Tapia says, has anybody bought a current generation of Dessel MP3? I don't think they have. I know that a team ran one briefly last year without very much success, but I don't think one has found its way into the marketplace. Uh, let's have a quick look. Dennis Pratniak says, with GT Pro disappearing, will we see a trend of works GT cars at Le Mans with celebrity AM drivers like Michael Fassbender making up the non-pro quota while helping to generate hype for the brand at the same time? Will racing with the stars become a thing? Worst things I can think we could happen. But I think the answer is there is no shortage of interest in what is going to be GT3 Pro-Am uh, from 2024 onwards. Uh, I think we may see something fairly extraordinary uh, in that marketplace. Uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting next six months as the brands that, that are looking to be involved get themselves working through that. Uh, Stuart Hart says, uh, MP, what are my thoughts on the marketing potential of return from WEC and I'm on after a few lean years? Do you think the ACO needs to take advantage of the period of growth with more comprehensive media and TV? For instance, a qualifying show. I, I kind of tend to agree. Uh, you know, I know there's the issue about TV rights. I just think we should take take a punt on this one and see what we can do with, you know, what I think is a pretty good TV offering 
It's just that we're not getting it onto TV channels with an absolutely mass audience. And uh, I was talking to an ex-driver in the WEC earlier today, in fact, who had that they're part of this conversation. Um, and we need to find the audience and then build the audience and not expect the audience to find us. That has been my view for a while. Matthew Lyson says, any opinions on WEC full access? The episodes are way too short. doesn't seem worth the time for a few snippets, but it could all be put together in one episode per race or a better package. Well, number one, Matthew, you don't know that they're not going to do that anyway. Number two is, with the exception of the ludicrously overdramatic announcer at the start of each episode, I really quite like it. I think it's got a nice feel to it. I tend to think that you're probably going to find some mashup of those uh, seven-minute sections uh, will be happening. I know uh, I've been asked um, around a couple of ideas that they've got to do things at Spa, but some of the background so far that we've been getting with those snippets has been pretty darn excellent. Uh, if they can keep up that level of quality and push it along with pace uh, in a uh, format that grabs attention, then you know we might all be looking at this in a slightly different way. And Damien Peachman finally says, when the WC calendar expands, will they add a new event or go back to old events? I, I'm guessing you mean to old um, circuits we've been to before. Uh, I think the answer is they probably will. Why? Because they've already got those relationships. Uh, do I think we will see the ELMS, WC, or maybe even both coming back to the UK? I sincerely hope so. And I do believe that that is likely on a reasonably short list of low-hanging fruit. Uh, it's not a place that they're going to struggle to get the required kind of approvals, and they've done it before, and it's like putting on a pair of old comfortable shoes, if you like. Uh, but I think the answer is they're going to go for low-hanging fruit before we start getting on planes and putting containers on ships and trying something new in this current world climate. Ah. <sighs> Graham Goodwin, how many other questions do we want to take? I almost like the idea of this not being the longest episode, so why don't oh, I? That's fine. I'll hurl. We're, we'll move to another category. You can name it, but I'm just going to start reading from it. Um, oh, did I just go steal for, some uh, of your... Get, let's go for Head General on that first one there, because that's, where uh, I was that's going. quite interesting. Yeah. I was just going to steal some of your power and authority, because, you know, I'm feeling <laughs> a little punchy today. Uh, let's see. This comes from Sphere. Uh, I attended the GT World Challenge round at Brands Hatch this past weekend. It was the busiest I've ever seen. My dad said the attendance felt very close to F1 in the 70s. Ooh. Valentino Rossi must be a massive coup for the SRO. What can other series and circuits learn from this? Uh, first thing you can learn from it is you should have signed as Valentino Rossi, I think is the first thing. 27,000, by the way, was the official attendance at Brands Hatch. And good luck to them. That deal, by the way, not an SRO deal, not an Audi deal, but we've mentioned them already. And kudos to Vincent Voss and WRT who secured that deal. Um, what does occur to me is what was part of that deal. Was there a promise that involves something other than a GT3 car? And was that something other than a GT3 car, an LMP2 car, or was it a hypercar? Uh, because if it was a hypercar, they don't currently have one. Uh, so that could be quite an interesting emerging story. We don't know what was on that contract. We do know that it wasn't a deal done with Audi because they told me, and we know it wasn't a deal done with SRO because they told me. But you've got to be sure that both Audi and SRO are darn happy to have such a global superstar that could draw literally tens of thousands of people. By the way, don't think it's re it's remotely close to the kind of level of, of numbers that were there for uh, F1 in the 70s. If you take a look at some of those crowds, um, at the outside of Paddock Hill Bend, for instance, you'll see that that crowd went back an awful long way further back then in the day. South Bank as well, uh, much more heavily occupied than it, it ever would be at the moment. But that's not to decry what uh, was a very meaty crowd indeed. And good luck to them. Uh, Valentino, by the way, I think has been excellent coming in and being very um, modest about the task ahead of him he knows he's going to get quicker he knows it's going to take time he knows he's going to get his head down and he knows i think he already knew but he uh, certainly now knows this is not going to be easy uh but boy oh boy if that uh, fella manages to get on a podium or whisper it win a race 
the roof's going to come off, isn't it? Yay, Valentino Rossi. Uh, let's see. Why don't we go to uh, Lance Snyder? Why do sports car drivers so often stop on the surface when they have a mechanical issue? Um, I would mention that wherever they stop is a surface. Um, if a driver is having a mechanical issue, does off course suddenly turn into lava for that car and that car only? Uh, uh, you're a corner I, worker, yeah. Lance. You know the answers. Yes. Yeah. Why are you wasting our time? What? <laughs> <laughs> ever but uh, i think the answer is of course it's irritating but the reality is nine times out of ten the results gonna be the same isn't it it's going to be a full course caution or a safety car uh whether or not they've actually pulled off the racing surface which i know is the word that you were searching for there lance but um yeah i think I the answer it. is their drivers are anal retentive they yes. really like their custom racing boots and they don't want to risk getting them no. muddy or dirty or whatever by going off course. And they want to step out onto paved tarmac. I mean, yeah. duh. Sorry. Having fun with Lance, who's our <laughs> minister of mirth on the show. So give him back a little bit for a change. Uh, Graham, Joshua Johnson, just an absolutely urgent question. Mm. With the, I would say, maybe even uh, tinged with electricity. A charged Ooh. question. He asks, with the Audi R8 rumored to go full electric, will Audi pull out of GT3 altogether? Or they look at developing the RS5 into a GT3 competitor? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, the v uh, VW CEO has said that all motorsport is crap apart from Formula 1. So I think we can accurately say this evening Audi will be pulling out of absolutely everything other than Formula 1, where they will, uh, they will soon announce they're buying McLaren, uh, Sauber and Williams, so six Audi cars in Formula One, and that will, of course, replace the GT3, GT2, GT4 cars, the TCR car. Uh, they've obviously already binned off the uh, LMDH, uh, the Dakar car, that's gone. Uh, everything's gone. It's all going to be Formula One. Everything's Formula One. Um, and indeed, they're pulling sponsorship out of everything else they're doing. Uh, they're going to stop doing road cars as well. That's the other thing. Uh, so all the road cars are going to be Road cars stopped. are crap. Yep. They're gone. Uh, Ducati Motorcycles, that's also owned by um, Audi, and uh, they'll be stopping racing. There, there won't be any motorbikes either. So it'll be just the six Formula One cars with the four rings on, and that's that's what we've got to look forward to. So we and have a bra way, hashtag breaking exclusive scoop here yeah. where we have formally announced on the Weekend Sports Car Show, Audi is pulling out of all forms of motor racing, going into Formula One, and also pulling out of automobile sales. Yes. Because, that, yeah, because that's a utter waste that's, of time. It's also yesterday. It's so yesterday. None of those road cars no. legal in Formula One. So therefore, no. they've decided total waste of time. Uh, another little thing we just learned, though, uh, they're also canceling Porsche, right? They're not selling okay. Porsche. Uh, the Volkswagen group has decided they're just simply ending production. Um, Lamborghini gone, right? It never happened. Yeah. Actually, uh, rumors though, they might get back into boats. So there might be okay. Lamborghini boats again, yeah. but yes, yep. the thing we understand again, uh, folks, any folks listening from any other outlets, you have our full approval to use this in your yeah. stories. Uh, we do understand though, that the, uh, the CEO of the VW group has said, despite ending everything involving Audi except for Formula One, deleting Porsche as a brand, deleting mm -hmm. Lamborghini, etc. Seat, apparently. Massive road Ooh. car plans with Seat. So I think that's... And Skoda. Yeah. Oh, I also feel to mention VW. So it's actually just going to be called the Seat Group plus Audi F1. So yep. just a little FYI. Um, yep. So Audi and Porsche, well, Audi to dominate Formula One, I would say within two weeks of starting... Um, they, that slight downside. They've solved porpoising already for their 2026 <laughs> entry too, yep. which is pretty cool to announce. And yep. also, we know that the, they announced. He said Porsche should be there as well. Uh, yep. Rumors. Oh, again, we know that's not happening because they've just deleted Porsches as a brand. But rumors yes. could be a Porsche LMDH entry in NASCAR. So oh, yeah, again, yeah. ambitious stuff, Graham. But I, I tell you what, the VWCO is going to be so pissed when he realizes you can't have a Quattro in Formula One. There you go. All right. Um, I just had to send Mike Shank the voicemail. So uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, one last question. Ben Gooding, I'm going to pose this to you. 
Not to you, yes. Ben Gooding. From Ben Gooding to you, Graham. Yes. I know you got confused. You thought Ben Gooding was on the show all of a sudden. Uh, if the ACO responded NASCAR at Le Mans by entering the Daytona 500, which car from the WC grid should they choose? If I'm Wolf. Yes. A car that's legal in every category. Absolutely. The, the only car with a global uh, carte blanche from the FIA. It's legal in every series. Literally everything about it is legal and beyond question. Yes, I mean, the Van Wall. There's no doubt about it. I could just see it now. Yeah, Billy Bob in the, uh, in the Van Wall. Uh, I think it's a perfect mix. You know, started out, of course, with uh, NASCAR, with the bootleggers. Uh, so, you know, a link to... Bootleggers or bootlickers? Because I think there's a very different show we're talking about bootlickers. Boot, but that's a different different subject matter entirely. No, but the Van Wall. I can see that uh, going down very well indeed. I think the uh, the Van Wall with a massive advertising livery on it that doesn't mention Van Wall at all, which is actually the point. Um, so I don't know what so what brand would you put on the Van Wall? What would you put on the Van Wall? Um, Fine American consumer brand. Dentures dot com. Ooh. Yes. Yes. Is it safe? Collins Tooth Emporium. <laughs> Uh, right next to Bushu's Hammer Emporium, right? I think that's what we got here. Okay, uh, we've this show has fallen apart, which I'd love to say. Um, yes, Graham, I gotta go poo, so hurry up. Fantastic, I better get but uh, do something really quickly then. Um, well, there, this has been the weekend sports cars. <laughs> part of the Marshall podcast offering. That's the worst. Um, we're going to say thank you quickly. My favorite segue ever on the show. I got a poo. So hurry up. <laughs> I don't, but I just, don't I wanted say to say that. that. While I'm mentioning I wanted sponsor. to say it, but there you go. Don't mention it while I mention the sponsors. Um, not Pooper Tires. No, Cooper Tires. Cooper Tires. The Justin, the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com. Uh, this has been the week in sports cars. He's been, he was until 30 seconds ago, he's now gone to the smallest room. Uh, Marshall Pro, I'm, <laughs> I'm Craig Goodwin. We will speak to you next week.